give me, we praise the Lord for uh, the fact that we can say uh, that he's always available, always. And he promised never to leave us or forsake us. Well, excuse me. Uh, as we look at our message for this morning, first things first, part three, uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 23 is what we'll be covering this morning. And so, Lord, help us as we go through this message. Give us clarity of mind and give us receptive ears. Give us willing hearts to receive, understand, and apply so that we'll move even closer in being all that you have designed us to be according to your will, your purpose. So thank you for our time together. Coming out to close very uh, carefully um, share with the saints. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. These are our leading verses. We give now a, a brief review. As we continue in our study of Paul's ministry in Colossae, we will, we will need to observe Paul's purpose-driven approach. This is a four-part message of first things first. It will reveal four things we need to keep in mind. The first two we covered already. Number one was deal with developing and, and uh, an atmosphere conducive to receptive and responsive dialogue. Paul's approach was through praise. You read that, and he, I mean, he just praised those folks left and right. He created an environment that enabled individuals to take, take time to listen to what he was saying. And I think that is so important that um, Paul says, if a purpose-driven person makes sure that they, all, I don't care what environment that they're in, they begin to develop an environment. And that's why we are light in darkness. We develop an environment that is conducive for individuals to see. Then the second message dealt with the effective way of praying for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. He addressed the need to be specific. First, pray for an individual's spiritual status, verses 9, 9 to 13. And here, when you hear folks say, well, I want you to pray for me. And a lot of times we jump, jump right to their situation. And first things first, you pray first for where they are. The situation, their situation is, is, a, is, a, is one thing, but where they are is another. And where they are, in Christ. And that's why how you respond to life. I think about Chicagoland Bible Fellowship Church. Our church is going through a whole lot. If we list all the things that's going on uh, financially and, and um, uh, health-wise and with the family and just so many ways that the things are happening uh, in our congregation. 
But you see, it's not what's happening on the outside. It's what's happening on the inside that will keep us focused, focused and functioning. We are in a war zone. We're not home yet. And so as we pray, yes, we pray for what they're going through. But we first pray for where they are in the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what Paul did. Paul started off by the whole idea he dealt with where they are. And then he started praying for the things that surround them, what they're going through. I think that that is, that is so important. Okay. End of review. A little short. Okay. Now, thinking it through. We will, we will address the preeminence or superiority of Christ, stressing the importance and necessity of our knowing, understanding, and standing in the truth. Uh, there's a lot of times you keep hearing me saying um, concept and function. If you don't know the person or what you're doing, how in the world can you function and stay stable? And a lot of times there's a concept problem that's going on. And until they understand the concept, they can't function. I'm pausing right now for station identification. I was a um, just finished counseling uh, individual and this couple and um, and they was they were talking about the fact of um, uh, the conditions of their marriage and I I was very concerned about that I really was but they and I was telling them they were talking about the man being the head of the house and of course the husband. Uh, wants to be and, and strive to be the head of the house, which he is for God's eye. And the uh, the wife responds. And I asked her a question. Why is he the head? He said, well, the Bible said it. Like, no, no. Why is he the head of the household? And I had to take her all the way back to Genesis. And all the way from Genesis to work back to the whole idea that he is the priest, provider, protector, lover, and servant leader of the relationship for a reason. We need to understand Jesus Christ. They call it Christology. When we go into neology, means study of when we begin to look at Christ and what Paul does with the church of, of Colossae, he starts off with their theology before he gets into anything else. And so the, that's why we start off with preeminence of Christ. Do you know him? There's something. Do you know him? And then we will deal with the purification of Christ. So first, let's start off with the preeminence of Christ. That'll be our, our first tag up. When we talk about the preeminence of Christ, verses 15 through 20, I, I want you to notice the description, and we begin to break it down if we look at the preeminence or superiority of Christ. Why is he so important? Why did he? Why does he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me? What makes Christianity what it is? And 15 to 20 begin to break it down. So let's, let's get started, okay? Defining the term preeminence, having and maintaining the position of superiority over and in everything. Uh, did I say everything? Honor. I'll just to make sure, over and in everything. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
for by him, and now notice how it's the first, first start following the, the, the all trail, all creation. He's the firstborn of all creation. That firstborn of all creation means it's in the physical realm, not the spiritual realm. He's the firstborn in all creation when it comes down to the new covenant and all these other things. He's the first one of all creation. Then by him, all things were created in heaven, on earth, invisible and uh, visible and invisible. That's the angels and us. Uh, Satan and his, and his uh, cohorts, all of those, they were created as a living beings and whatever God creates, he creates forever, says Ecclesiastes. Uh, nothing can be taken away from it, nothing can be added to it. And so here we are, it said, for him all things were created. And now, now this is in the heaven and on earth, which means what? He had to be uh he had to be there before to form the heavens. Okay. All things were created by him and for him. He said, it's for the reason I did was for me. Okay. Not because we're smart, have an intelligent. God gave you that wrinkled brain with all of that stuff in to make you think you're smart. But the only reason you have it is because God put it in there. Hello. Hello, Dr. Racket. Keep talking. All right. I'll keep talking. So we go to the next slide then. And he is before all things. You see. Uh, and in him, all things hold together. I should uh, underline that one too. Because notice the all, the trail of the all things. All things are holding together. He's before it. He's uh, uh, He holds it all together. The song, he has, he has the whole world in his hand. He is the head of the body of the church. We're the folks who are on the other side of Calvary, the blood-washed believers who are now the adopted sons and daughters of God. He says he is the beginning of all of that. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything we might be uh, preeminent. He might be preeminent. And then verse 19, for in him all fullness of Godhead was pleased to dwell. And here we find that um, Jesus Christ is in the in group. Okay? Uh, for in him all the fullness of Godhead was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile uh, to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. If you start off with uh, at that bottom and work your way all the way back to where we started, it says, by the blood of the cross. What happened? Through him, reconciliation. What happened? We see the fullness of God. What happened? He's the, he is, uh, he's the head of the body of the church. What happened? Before all things in him, all things will hold together by him. By him. And guess what? Jesus Christ was moving toward the cross. I think, and we'll we'll see how important this is. Well, let's go on. We have a breakdown then. Let us review the credentials of our Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't think of this. I just read it to you and think that you were. You get it. So let me just go on. The first one is, he is the image of the invisible God. One of the disciples says, show us, show us the Father. He said, have I not been with you all this time? You haven't seen the Father? Okay. By him, all things were created through and for him. And this word is very important. Didn't say were made by him. 
May mean you took something and you made it. Creation is that when you take something out of nothing and make it something to the glory of God, that's creation. And through him and for him, and he did it for himself. He is before all things and he holds it all together. You see, the Lord, in other words, the Lord does not make, does not make any junk. You don't, you're not getting any secondhand thing. It's, he's before all things, and he takes the responsibility. Notice now, he holds it all together. 18. He's the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead. This gives him preeminence. Whenever God gives uh, a person uh, in leadership, there is a responsibility for leadership. Do not be driven by how people think, how they feel. Listen, if God put you there and you're in the word of God, stay in the word of God. It has no room for I think, I feel. Stay in the word of God. And when you are head of the church, he's ahead of the church. And the head of the church means what he says goes. That's why when it's a totally young lady in, in marriage, I said that the end of, uh, of Ephesians 5.32 is um, to be subject to your husband in all things. You respect him in all things. Why? Because God had placed him as head. And where there's head, there's responsibility. There's accountability. Jesus Christ is head. And he says, I take everything He says that happened under my watch. I know what's going on. I know about your enemies. But don't you take revenge. Understand, retribution is mine. I will repay. The fullness of the Godhead. It didn't say part of the Godhead. The fullness of the Godhead. Then through him, all, there's that word again, all things are, are able to be reconciled by his blood. Remember when we talked earlier about retribution and then reconciliation. Retribution is before the cross. Reconciliation is on the other side of the cross. Retribution, you can look for the hell, judgment, and the wrath of God. And on uh, when you look at reconciliation, there is therefore now no condemnation. Oh, uh, the Lord still gets you, give you a whipping now. Uh, he'll convict you and whip you and even take you out of the world, but he will not condemn you. You see, why? We reconcile by his blood. The blood is the, the very essence of what God sees in and through Christ as he look at each one of us. Well, I'll explain that even more as we go along. Okay. Here's a fact to remember. Consider John 1, 4 through 4. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's validating all I've been saying. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, which means what? Men were in darkness. Okay. Let's go further. There are a few facts and principles we need to receive, learn, and apply. Fact number one, sin is the state of total rebellion against the holiness of God 
that will immediately initiate divine retribution. Uh, I uh, mentioned Sunday school uh, where individual one individual mentioned on, uh, on on YouTube, and that is, is it possible for Satan to be forgiven? <laughs> no, it is impossible. It is in. Did he, I'm talking to my hand. It is impossible for Satan to be forgiven. Why? Because it goes against the principle of forgiveness. And we'll deal with that. Sin can only be uh, being resolved if it's eradicated, eradicated or destroyed. The offender sincerely asks and seeks forgiveness. Let's go to the next slide to kind of bring this out. The person who is in the position of forgiving must be willing. Now, here are the three things. If a person says, will you forgive me? Three things they have to do. They have to absorb, they have to take, they have to cancel out the consequences uh, of, the, of what they have, uh, had you have done. They had to absorb the loss. Uh, I stole this and I stole that. And the person says, I forgive you. Forgiveness means I forgive you. Case closed. Next, to establish closure to the offense with reconciliation. When you forgive a person, you are not to put it in your black book. Take that black book and burn it. Because what the Lord tells us, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, Ephesians 4.32, mm -hmm. be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here we go. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Whoever forgives have to pay the price of the offense. Then wait a minute. Is it possible for Satan to be saved? God's not going to God is not going to uh, forgive Satan. Why? Because he's going to against the very essence of his holiness. He can't exalt that. In him, there is no shadow of darkness. It's no return. He he has he's under retribution, and God has mapped out. Here's where I'd wrap it all up in, in Revelation, where it will be no more time, and, and Satan is forever thrown into the lake of fire. God never intended man for retribution, but for restitution, okay? Reconciliation, never retribution. And so the third one is to determine never, did I say never? Yeah, you said never. Never to resist uh, or revisit the offense again. If you are not going to forgive a person, then don't say, I forgive you. If you're going to keep bringing it up over and over again, you haven't forgiven. Why? Because it says, remember what, what Jesus Christ said? <laughs> forgive us our trespasses as, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he goes on further saying, listen, if you will not forgive men their sins, neither will my father forgive you. So the, listen, it's conditional. When we forgive someone, tear it up and don't revisit it. If not, there is a spiritual problem that's going on. And the spiritual problem is affecting uh, your relationship. Every couple that comes in, comes in with a spiritual problem. Some is so deep down within that they don't even recognize it. Um, and so it's we have to understand. Jesus Christ said, I'm over all. 
I got you all. And that's all. No if, ands, or buts. And Jesus said it. I believe it. That sells it. No, Jesus said it. That sells it. Let it go. And until we have that concept, until we get our emotions on the table, emotions are fine. God gave you the emotions so you can cry or whatever you want to do. But when the emotions get in, in, in front of what God says you or I ought to do, then that's when it's in the wrong place. It's just like a dislocated arm. It's, it's out of place. Okay. All right. Well, bless your heart. Uh, let's go on. Fact three. Sin has always existed and operate outside and uh, outside and against the holiness and the will of God. The very, back four, the very essence of sin is to kill, steal, and destroy. Steal your joy, steal your, uh, your uh, fellowship with the Lord, destroy uh, life, death and life is in the power of the tongue. We start talking and, and saying things that wound individuals. Kill, even the whole idea of killing, taking a life that is made in the, the image and likeness of God. They kill with no hesitation. And sin is behind that whole thing. And that's why sin must face the wrath of God. The wrath of God. There is no return when it comes to that area. Okay. Let's go on. Observation. Here's our uh, blessed assurance. But the free gift is not like the trespass. But if many died through the one man's trespass, much more. I underline that. I like that word. Would you repeat that to me? Much more. My wife next to me said, what was that, baby? What did it say? Much more. Much more. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for him, for many. For if because, because of man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, there's that much more again, will those, almost like but, the conduct, uh, that you have the conjunction with a function, much more, Will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through, through the one man, Jesus Christ? I think that is so important. I, that the word, we now underline that word much more. You see, when we uh, when we come into the Lord, understanding and saying, Lord, I recognize that you died for my sins, that you are Jesus Christ, and that you are God, and, and through your blood, uh, my sin can be forgiven, come into my life. After you, that is done, then the Lord says, boom, there is therefore now no condemnation. And you walk away and say, well, praise the Lord. Lord, the Lord said, wait, 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 wait. There's much more. Much more? Oh, yeah. You see, but not only my grace is sufficient, my grace is, will sustain you. My grace will define you. And, uh, and so my grace will always be sufficient to you. Well, thank you. Wait, wait a minute. There's much more. The much more comes from the fact that you are now, and I'll put you as an adoption. I adopted you from one family to another. You are now my adopted son and daughter that is written by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that if whatever I write down is forever, it can be taken away from it, it can be added to. You are an adopted son and daughter of God. 
thank you, Lord. Much more. Much more is that I'm going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come and be your tutor. And he will tutor you all. And matter of fact, Jesus said it, he will be with you forever. And he will be that tutor. He will, be, he will give you the guidance that you need to go through in this balance of life. Oh, thank you, Lord, much more. Everyone who's saved will become your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they will be there in the times when you have needs. I will direct their hearts. You're on the other side of Calvary because of what Christ has done. And I decided to give you much more. Is there much more? Oh, yeah. I have not talked about what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen at the ultimate end. When ultimate end, when the final or finality of the much more will take you to the next level. When I take you from this world and place you in my presence forever. And then from there, I will tend to you, bless you. And there will be no uh, tears, all tears will be wiped from your eyes and you will be with me forever. And now you'll understand the full concept of much more. One man messed up and blocked you. And one man died for you. And that's why we have much more. I hope you get the idea. Uh, and at least I I just like the word much more. It just bless my heart. All right, then we'll we'll we we'll go on. Consider this: Jesus, our Lord and Savior, have placed His whole reputation on the line to ensure our forgiveness and being reconciled to Himself. You know, the Bible tells us that um, God does not lie. He does not lie. And, and to validate that, he writes it down to hold him, not to hold him accountable, accountable, but that everybody can see. The Lord says, I don't lie, which means what? He will not lie. And he, com he commands us in Colossians, lie not to one another. That's why it's so important when we understand that when we walk with Christ, there's some things we cannot do. Now, that's why I, I asked this uh, person who came into counseling, I said, do you tell the truth all the time? And the person was quiet and, and, and that grin on the, uh, 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 all the time. Said, yeah, do you tell the truth all the time? No, then you're not in the will of God, yet you want your mate to, to be in the will of God while you're operating outside of the will of God because you're telling him a lie that is not the truth. And therefore, it caused a problem. Because we deal with the Lord, that in him there is no shadow of darkness. There are some things that have happened through the course of this week and um, through the course of my life where I'm challenged. The challenge is, say one thing, it'll be okay. <laughs> say another, and you might get a reaction. But that's not the issue. Is it the truth? Yeah. If it's the truth, then I have to say whether there's a reaction or not. Here is the truth. Lie not one to another. We've been reconciled to this. This is the, the Christ that we describe. And that's that's a small uh, a small list that was given. Oh, it breaks out to so much more. But what was said about our Lord, if we understand the the person that who, who we are connected with, our uh, our savior, our our brother, uh, and he is the one who loves us and totally committed to us. We have an obligation 
an obligation to do the right thing. Amen. A purpose-driven life is a person who's dedicated and understand their obligation. There's no other way. All right. Well, let's move on then. Number two. With number two, the purification of Christ, verses 1, 21 to 23. It reads as follows. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind. Now, he moved from theology. Okay. Now he's going to, uh, to the outworking of the, of the results of what Jesus Christ has done. And as you once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, there's that word again, in his body of, of flesh by his death in order, here's the reason why, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Not before the world, before him. If we are blameless and above reproach before God, then we don't have to worry about how the, the world responds respond to us. The world hates God anyway. So, um, if they hate, if they hate our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they're going to do, they have done Him in, they're going to do us in. No, we are to live above reproach before God. So this word of reproach is not talking uh, the whole idea of before men. Before it is above reproach before God. Uh, that's what that's what you when you look at the whole idea of Job, and um, and the Lord said to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job? You know he's." perfect and upright you see uh he talks about the fact that he said listen Jay, then he refines as satan said yeah the only reason that's happening because you put a fence around you move all that and he'll curse you to your face well i said oh you think so oh yeah let me let me get him just, just a little bit now he'll curse you to your face but the lord was confident like he's confident in us if we only let him work in into our lives that we'll live lives above reproach if indeed you continue to live uh continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which was being proclaimed in all creation under heaven and under and of which the i paul uh, became a minister let's pause right there just for a moment that's why i got it in blue when we see the word if here and I think the Amplified Version will give even a better uh, understanding than other versions too. This word if is not conditional. That is not a conditional if. Uh, it's when it, if when it's placed in various points, it, it uh, redirects the flow of thought. It's now, what the word should be, since indeed you continue in the faith. Why did I say that? Because... At the beginning, he talks about how they walked in the faith. And in the beginning, how he, uh, he blessed, they blessed his heart. He said, listen, now, since you do that, he then he gave him theology. Now he says, now, since you're doing all of that, he says, uh, continue, continue in the faith, uh, stable and steadfast, he says, and not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all uh, creation under heaven and uh, on earth, in which I, Paul, became a minister. He says, since you're doing that, boy, you guys making me so happy. You are, you folks are something else. What do you think if we had a purpose-driven church? 
that walk in the beauty of holiness and obeying God and not our heart, what God can do in and through us individually and collectively. It's not your program. It's not my program. It's God's program. Uh, my responsibility is to tell you the truth and to and, and inspire you and to encourage you and to nudge you to get into the word, that the word can get into you and that you will become like those in uh, the Colossians uh, that Paul is writing to about, that you will begin to uh, more and more identify with the attitude and actions of the group. I, gave, I can guarantee you one thing, you have no regrets. This is not, at this point, the whole area of regrets. You never have to worry about regrets. One regret you might have, boy, I should have done this sooner. Ah, God knew that. But he always gets you at the right time, you and me. Amen? Well, let's go on. He revealed the who. And I've broken down to a number of things. He built the first 21. He, broke, he says, and you who were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Paul pointed out uh, their position, their pattern, and their practice. He says their state of alienation, their pattern of thinking, their mindset, and their practice committing evil deeds. They did this easily. It's amazing. Sin, what it does, it, uh, it's almost like leprosy. It takes all the feeling, your nerves and everything else. You can't feel anything. You, well, a person murdered, they, they don't feel sorry for it. All of the feeling is taken out of it. That's what sin, sin is debilitating. It will strip you. And it says, you were alienated. See, it didn't say you are alienated. That means you, you, you're not there yet. You're still on the other side of the car. Uh, Calvary, but you were, you on the other side of Calvary. Uh, now, you were alienated, and you look back, and you were hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. So don't be pointing at folks uh, and, and saying what they, uh, they're pre-Christians. Stay with them, pray for them, do good. That's what the Lord wants us to do for them, until they get to the other side of it, and they were drug addicts, and they were. You see, get them to uh, the much land of the much more. And for them to get into the land of much more, we share the gospel of Christ. Amen, Donald? Amen, Donald. Okay. So then these are, these are the three. We'll go to the next verse. Breaking it down. Verse 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, his death in order, here's the reason why, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Paul revealed the process and purpose. By Christ's death, the process of reconciliation have, uh, was made a reality. Oh, you didn't, you didn't hear, you didn't hear the stamp. God says forgiven. You didn't hear the stamp. It's all over. This court is closed. You didn't hear the stamp. You won't be back here anymore. You're on the other side of Calvary. Praise the Lord. And why? Because you have been reconciled. And so retribution cannot be in the same courtroom of reconciliation. And so then retribution is outside of the courtroom. And that's for the person in the other room. But in this room is reconciliation. And it's, uh, it's this reconciliation is with love and care and our eternal uh, existence in place. 
then by Christ's death, I'll be made holy. See, not only were we reconciled, he also cleaned us up. Okay, You'd be walking around heaven all dirty, going to listen. He cleaned us up, and so we have Christ by Christ's death, all being made, see, holy and blameless, and living above reproach, were inevitable. It said it. God now set another thing in place. Now that you're on uh, the uh, cross of Calvary. Your holiness been totally set apart. Your holiness been uh, walking in the beauty of holiness or in sync with the will of God. Blameless. There's nothing that Satan can accuse you of. And living above reproach. These are inevitable. And you live above reproach by heaven and earth. So, you know what? When a man's ways please the Lord, you see, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. The Lord comes along and says, leave him alone. He's mine. We have an everlasting father. We have a, a Christ who's at the throne in case we mess up. And then we have um, the Holy Spirit who wakes us up and stay with us and he'll be with us, getting us home uh, on time. We'll never be late for that appointment. Ah, uh, and that's what it's all about. And Paul says, if you are a purpose-driven person, at least understand some of these principles. We have taken this apart, dissected, so you can understand at least a little bit of what's going on. Okay? Let's go on. Our next slide is Paul reveals the necessity of a dedicated and consistent lifestyle when he said, indeed. Number one, continuous stability, stay steadfast loyalty, strong, not shifting. You see what he's saying there? And that's what he's saying in that in those verses. And that's why I broke it out. Consist consistency, you continue. You see, stability and steadfast. See, steadfast loyalty, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Until uh, that you heard, I'm sorry, um, which was being proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, be a minister. So I want you to stand strong, be consistent, stable, steadfast, strong. Paul has given us the pattern and principles that will enable us to be wisely put. We will wisely put first things first. That's the whole bottom line. First things first. Amen. We've been very patient. So one last thing. This is kind of throwing the bullets out just to remind us. It is my prayer for us to experience the blessings in putting first things first. And here's five reasons why. Number one, it's biblical. Number two, it's possible. Number three, it's expected. Number four, uh, it's rewarding. Number five, it will bless God's heart. Let's be a blessing today. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be added to you. First things first. I trust that we'll start doing just that. It will get you organized, focus, and be a blessing to God and to others. Amen. So as we bow into prayer, ah, I would like to pray that the Lord will lead and guide each one of us to establish you. Lord, thank you for giving us this day. You have not promised tomorrow, but today. You are chock full of a lot of things in our day that make it a day that cause us to praise you. Thank you for the fact that uh, you chose us. Jesus Christ died for us. The Holy Spirit is guiding us and, uh, and, and, and leading us uh, through life. You've assigned the angel, Lord, uh, to watch over us. We, uh, we got it made, Lord. We have uh, 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 approached through the throne of grace and we can come boldly, Lord, and understand that we have our sins totally forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And so first things first is when we as a congregation realize that and prioritize, put you in the center of all that we're doing and thinking. Thank you for what you're going to do. Great is your faithfulness. Leading guidance, Lord, through the course of this week. And if there be one who needs to establish the first thing first, my prayers, they, the first thing they need to do is to realize they were born with the uh, nature of sin. They cannot clear their sins. God will not forgive that type of sin. And that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to die on their behalf, on our behalf. That if they only confess their sins, that Jesus Christ is God, died uh, on the cross of Calvary, rose again on the third day. That Jesus Christ, our blood, cleanses of our sins and then realize and ask, will you, Lord, become my Savior? I turn from my sins and I turn to you and trust you. Believe is the key. Believe all of these things. That they believe this, Lord then they will never perish. That's your promise. You are a promise keeper. Meanwhile, we who are believers, we're going through battles and sometimes very frustrating, but help us to always keep first things first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The song is coming up uh, then. Make room. We have first things first here.